Welcome to Reality of the Rose with your host, Natalie Sprink. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Reality of the Rose with your host, Natalie Sprink. It's me right here. So welcome back for this week's recap of Michelle's episode four. And um, before, but before I get into her episode, I would like to talk about something I did this past week. Don't know if you remember, but I went to um, Caitlin Bristow's live podcast tour show in Minneapolis. And I'm just going to tell you, it was so good. I mean, it was so much fun. It was more fun than I thought it would be. It was, I really didn't know what to expect, honestly, to be like in the audience for a live podcast show. Like I wasn't sure what the setup was going to be, but I, it was so much fun. And I know on here, I've talked about how I've been just a tad disappointed or, Um, I don't want to say really disappointed because I still love her to death, but like, it's just not the same. It seems like it's not been the same with Caitlin since she's been on Dancing with the Stars, been rehired by The Bachelor and ABC to advise The Bachelorettes and how it seemed like maybe she was becoming a little bit quote unquote company man, afraid to sort of like say anything outside the boundaries about the bachelor behind the scenes or producers or anything like that, like she used to. And she used to be so open on her podcasts and not no holds bar, didn't hide anything. And I kind of miss that and still do when it comes to her podcast, especially when they're talking about the bachelor, but completely refell in love with her after watching her podcast. It was like the old Caitlin, the Caitlin that I know and love the Caitlin that I always looked up to and just, um, admired with how straightforward and no holds barred and no filter. She was, she was so funny. Um, Blake Horseman was the DJ for her. Uh, it was her opening show. The first of this tour, open in Minneapolis, which is where Becca Kufrin is from. And she was her guest. So it was like filled with these bachelor big hitters. Um, they started off with, so like, if you've never been to one, which I'm assuming probably most of you have not, but you, it just started off with Blake playing, DJing a, a bunch of music, probably for a good 20 minutes or so. And then she was introduced and she came out and she kind of just got the crowd going a little bit and did a little rapping and just, she's so natural on stage. Like she just, um, her wit just comes out and she's just going off the cuff and, or at least it seems like that. Maybe it's scripted somewhat, but she does a really good job of not making it seem scripted whatsoever. Um, and then she brought out Becca and they did interview style, but it wasn't like, it was an interview style. They just sort of like went with the flow. They took questions from the audience. They joked around. They did a TikTok. They, um, they feel that, like I said, they feel the questions. Well, they feel the questions from her Instagram, but they also feel the questions from the audience. And this is her bride and dirty tour. So they, um, you know, it's like her, quote unquote, bachelorette party, this whole tour. I think she's got like eight or 10 shows. And so they pulled out a few 
uh, girls from the audience that were also engaged. And anyway, it was just so fun. It was just so much fun. It was, and the best part was, so when we got the tickets, it was at a, 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 whatever, whatever venue it was. And a few weeks ago, they changed the venue. So when we got there, we showed the, um, we showed them our tickets to show us to our seats. And because the venue changed, the seat numbers were different. So they had to adjust a lot of the people, especially like on the balcony level, which is where we were. And we ended up getting like really good upgraded seats. So we ended up being on the as you're facing the stage, the left side of the stage, but directly above the stage. So she and Becca and Blake were directly below us. I mean, just, we looked right down and there they were. So they were like super awesome seats. Um, so fun, just so fun. I just felt the need to talk about that. Um, I, she, and, and she sort of, I don't, she didn't give away any like dirt or, you know, bad behind the scenes stuff, but she was sort of, um, letting a little bit loose. They were drinking, of course, while they were in stage two. And she, she talked a little bit about her, her days as a bachelorette. And, um, I mean, not to really give anything away, not that there was really anything to give away, but again, she just was a little bit looser lipped again, and it was just refreshing. So, uh, yeah, just, Got that checked off my bucket list. I was so glad I did. It was so fun. So now let's go ahead and jump into the recap of Michelle's season. So, so okay, we're on episode four. And one thing I do have to say just up front is that I'm sort of confused because they still are not. This is the fourth episode, and I would have thought that they would have gotten more into Clayton's personality, more in his behind, behind the scenes, his background, his PTC, his all of his things that we need to know about him to get to know him, to even want him to be the Bachelor, for us to even be interested in him being the Bachelor. And still after episode four, now I definitely see that they're giving him more airtime now. So they're they're doing that. But it's more in a narration, like he's more like a narrator um, version of getting to know him on TV rather than like getting to know him. And I, I mean, they're definitely editing him as a good guy because he's always like the guy who might like sort of question the villain or, you know, like be the be the rational person in the room or be the peacekeeper or make a good point. So, I mean, they're, they're giving him a good edit, but it's not just not much of an edit period because there's not much to show so far. So I've just, it, he almost has to go for sure to the final six. I think after this show, we're down to what, maybe 10 or 12, but for sure, it seems like he's going to have to go down to the final six, maybe four, so that we get to know him at all. I I, it, I just am so confused by, by this whole thing with Clayton. I don't know. He seems too much of a cookie cutter bachelor of old days. You know, it's like they chose him because he's a white male ex-football player, you know, big chiseled kind of guy. So... 
I don't know. We'll see. Um, I've also heard rumor this week, and it's pretty being pretty openly talked about. I still really hope it's a rumor, but I've heard the rumor that Blake, um, Blake, 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 Katie's Blake. I'm going to say Blake Horseman. It's not Blake Horseman. Blake, why can't I think of his last name? Um, Blake, I know you're all screaming it. So that Moines, Blake Moines, that he is rumored to be the next Bachelor. So we talked about that last week about how they're going to be doing back-to-back Bachelors again, which I still think is so weird. And I just don't think it's going to go over well. And I, again, Michelle's episode three last week, again, was like third place in the ratings on network TV and the Bachelorette for years has maybe dropped ratings, but they've always been in the first place amongst the network TV. But last week, um, the world series, which is understandable, um, curious to see what this week is going to be, but the world series beat her out, but so did the show FBI. Like what? I was such a random, that's not even a creative name for a show FBI. So they beat her out as well. Um, and I don't like that. I don't, but I really think it might be that people are getting sick of, bachelor show after show after show after show and they're just like ugh but man do i ever wish that michelle would have been before katie and that people would have got to see michelle more because she is so good and everybody that i talk to that's watching this season loves her loves her so much i want to be her i honestly want to be her when i grow up i want to be that poised i want to be that calm i want to be that articulate i want to keep my composure as well as she does i mean i i strive to be that so I, I, everyone who's not watching this season is missing out on one of the best bachelorettes that they're going to have in my opinion. Um, but let's go ahead and break into the, the episode. Okay. So we start out with Caitlin talking to her and Michelle is basically repeating what every lead says that, that one of their biggest worries is that the a person that they're really interested in um, that you realize either they're in it for the wrong reasons, quote unquote, or that they just aren't who you thought they were. And of course she is referring to Jamie here, who she booted off last week. Um, but they just decide to address that real quick and then move on. So they cut to the guys and I wish they would put more of this stuff in here. This was like so minor. And you, if you weren't watching for more than five seconds, you would have missed the whole thing, but they showed a guy, <laughs> I don't remember who it was, but he like sat down in a chair uh, around the couches where they're all waiting for her, or the date card or whatever they're waiting for. And he like sits down and kind of leans back and the chair just like completely like falls over backwards. And he, <laughs> I know it's not that funny when I say it out loud, but it was pretty funny on the thing. And why don't they show shit like that more? I just think it would be so much more entertaining if they would show us like little bloopers within the show and not do segments of bloopers later. Why can't they just show us little funny shit during the show? I just think that would make it so much more interesting. Note to producers. Um, so then Tasha walks. This is weird. So Tasha walks in then and she has a date card. She has a one-on-one date card. But when she walks in and she was, she did look pretty good. She had on this like button up, like a little bit oversized shirt with like cut off jean shorts. All right. And she looked pretty good, but I could have sworn when she walked in, the guys were like, Hey, Oh, Hey, 
you go back and rewind and listen to their reactions when she walks into the room, it's like, hey, hang on, guys. Hey, a little bit inappropriate. Um, I thought it was actually kind of funny because I always think that, like, especially with Tay, well, Taisha or Caitlin. I mean, they're like super attractive. I know they're both taken, but like, I, anyway, I thought it was funny. It felt like they were like, <laughs> it was so. What are you doing? What what am I doing? What? How are you doing? I can't believe I just forgot that line. Wow. Sorry, Joey. Um, I'm losing it here. Um, okay, so she has a date card. It's a one-on-one -on -one and it's with Martin. Um, so then we get like just a little glimpse of Olu maybe trying to like villainize Martin because apparently he was really good friends with Jamie, which I didn't know that. I don't think any of us really knew that for sure, but there seems like they're maybe trying to villainize him a little bit um, because he was friends with Jamie. So they show him, so they show Martin being taken to a racetrack and they just drop him off, of course, because you would do that at this empty racetrack. And they show this car like coming zooming around the track and it just like blows past him. And of course you're supposed to think, I guess it's Michelle. So we cut to segment two, go to commercial, cut to segment two. And no, just kidding. It wasn't Michelle. She was riding in the car supposedly, but she was not driving. So she gets out and she tells him that this guy, Brian is going to teach them how to drift. And then they're going to have a race to see who's the fastest. And, uh, so they do that, whatever. Martin seems like he's going to be super competitive, but of course it turns out that he like, doesn't know how to drift. He can't drift. She beats him in drifting. She ends up beating him in the race. And, um, I don't know. I feel like they kind of have some chemistry. I'm kind of liking Martin. Martin was the guy last week when they kissed on the couch. He like in the middle of the kiss, like removes his glasses. And I thought that was like super sexy. I thought that was like the best move I've seen in a long time on the bachelor, like a legitimate move. Um, but it really seems like they have chemistry. I, I, I do think that, um, they somehow find robes that they get into and then they, go into this cattle trough hot tub, which is so romantic. I not really getting why they had to, had to have a hot tub that was just, I guess I'm hoping it was filled with hot water, but it looked like this just big aluminum cattle trough pool thing. Uh, so they have some really romantic champagne in the, hog trough hot tub and um they start talking and martin sort of defends jamie a little bit not really defends him but he's like you know um because she started talking about how it was hard on her and this whole fear that she has about like like having feelings for someone and then end up not really knowing who they are and then he defends him in that he says you know i was kind of telling the guys that just because like jamie you know, that happened with, with you and Jamie, that doesn't necessarily make Jamie this really bad guy. And she gets a little offended by that. You can tell. And she's like, well, are you saying I made the wrong decision? He's like, no, 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 no. I am. I'm just, I'm saying that that, that was your relationship with him. And you have every right to feel how you want to feel about that. He goes, I'm just saying that like my relationship with him was different and it was good. And I considered him a friend basically. But you're, you could tell she's not really thrilled about that because she feels like he's sort of, she feels like he's sort of questioning her sending 
him home. So I don't know. Again, I feel like it's just a little bit of them trying to create drama where there really is none. Although this, I'm going to tell you as a side note, I heard this on um, <clears throat> a podcast this week and I think this is terrible. You know, Jamie is maybe not the nicest person. He didn't handle that well with, with Michelle at all. And, you know, should have been sent home and wasn't very honest, but, um, I heard that and I don't, I don't think it's, it's not a lie because he apparently addressed this on his social media, but he had such hate after that show that I don't even like saying this out loud because it's terrible. It's just, it's awful. Um, but he, you know, so his PTC was that he had this really rough time with his mom and his dad left them and that his mom suffered with a lot of depression and anxiety and that he witnessed her trying to kill herself when he was like 11. And then that she did eventually kill herself when she was 24. He had people saying through his DMS that he was the reason he, that he's such a terrible person that he's the reason that she killed himself and that she killed herself. And I just, I think that's just horrific. That's so horrible. And I can't, I can't imagine anyone typing those words out based on an edit that you're getting on a dating show. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, in a way it, it, it reflects a little bit on, oh, and the other part that was interesting though, is that he apparently addressed this on his social media, but he was very upfront with the fact that, uh, he was not able to even respond to the, to that hate basically because he's bound by his contract and that he can't address those issues at this point because the contract doesn't allow him. And so in a very subtle way, he was slamming the show for, you know, again, he said what he said, but the producers choose to edit it. And, um, if you were very careful and watched a lot of the stuff he said, it was Frankenbited things. It was in that. And again, as a reminder, Frankenbite means when they, when you hear the voice of the person, but you don't see the words coming out of your mouth. So they can complete, I mean, in, in this day and age, you can take words and just splice them together and make it sound like someone's saying something and they actually are not. And very, very much of what he, of things he said that seemed like maybe they were in an ITM or something were not played showing coming out of his mouth, which means we don't know for sure when he said them and what context he said them, what he was saying them in response to, if he even said them. And I don't care who you are. The, the, what he did to Michelle was not that bad, not bad enough to get that kind of hate. And I think it is also terrible that, you know, they know the show knows from over the years that a lot of villains have gotten a bunch of hate when they come off the show. And so it's like, they're like, sorry, you know what you're signing up for? You're going to get this hate. Yeah. You might get death threats. You're going to get people saying terrible stuff to you, but sorry, you can't say anything about it. And it just seems almost cruel. So I don't know. I, you know, not to defend the guy, but I kind of am because in the end it's a TV show. And if you have to come off of it and hear stuff like that off of your DMs and you've gone through what you've gone through in your life, maybe that's how come, maybe that's why he was kind of a douchebag to Michelle is because of 
is because of the struggles he had when he was a child and internal frustrations and conflicts that he has within himself and working all that out in his current relationship. So anyway, I just thought that was a, an aside that I wanted to mention and that I just hope that everyone somewhat keeps in mind. I mean, it's, it's fun to like love to hate people on this show, but when they're gone and it's done, be done. Don't be a freaking dumbass troll who goes and says horrible things like that. What is the point? It is a TV show for Christ's sake. I just, I don't, will never approve of something like that and don't ever do that kind of stuff. Um, okay. So on with segment three. So now we're at the nighttime portion of Martin and her date. And um, she kind of questions him a little bit about how, how and why, you know, she felt like maybe he was questioning her judgment with sending him home. And, and he is up front and says, you know, I'm just a very blunt person. And I didn't really grow up with a very good, like examples of communication when I was young. He said, I've just really been working on it a lot. So I'm sorry if I communicated that wrong to you. Um, but he said he was, so then he kind of got into his PTC and he said that, which is a little bit of a weak PTC, but he said he learned growing up that he was not supposed to show emotions that he never saw his dad cry. So he's always kind of taught that like showing emotions was wrong. And then Michelle sort of, um, gives her own examples of how she has had difficulty with showing emotion as well. And she gave examples of that as she was growing up. Um, I don't know. It's just, I do like Martin's personality. I feel like it's very natural and it flows very natural. And I feel like he like real talks. Like, I feel like he's not trying to regurgitate canned bachelor things that you just say to the bachelor at lead. Um, I feel like he's just real talking with her and you know that I feel that way about her. I feel like everything that comes out of her mouth is absolutely 1000% genuine and not producer induced. Well, for the most part whatsoever. Uh, so I don't know. I like him. I kind of like Martin. I still have him going to the final six. Um, so anyway, they cut to the, the guys back at the hotel and they get the group date card and mostly what's revealed out of this is that Rick is going to get the next one-on-one. So, um, so then they're, then they show like the setup of this conflict, the new conflict they're going to have. Now that Jamie's gone, they're going to have a new conflict set up between Chris S and apparently Nate. So Nate verbalized how he's in a good place and that I guess he was kind of saying that he wasn't all that upset about not getting one-on-one because he felt like he'd eventually get one that he was in a good place. Well, right away you can see that Chris S is super annoyed by him saying that and is rolling his eyes and he's about the size of a freaking little people on Fisher price. So, and he ooh, do not like Chris S. So he, um, we can see this all being set up very clearly. Then they cut back to Michelle Martin. Of course she gives him the rose and, um, I don't know. I just, again, I like how they do not seem, neither one of them seem like they're saying canned stuff. Um, so I think they go up on a rooftop and look at some stars or something. Yeah, it ends. And anyway, so we're good. We're done with that. We're done with that date. We go to commercial, come back to segment four. Um, so then they were at the group date 
Okay. So the group date was with 12 guys and turns out it's like a slum, a slumber, a slumber party. And they all get these little pajama sets and they range anywhere from manly to very not manly. And some of them are satin. Some of them are robes. Some of them are old Tom Cruise, risky business style. Some of them are, you know, I mean, it's a wide array. So they go, she takes them into this room where the whole room is set up as a big slumber party. So we have got huge stuffed animals. We have got a, um, uh, what is it called? What is the matter with me? Cotton candy machine. I've never been to a slumber party that had a cotton candy machine, but that's cool. Um, they had foot spas. They had face masks. They had the game Twister. They had snacks. So they went on a tangent here that I did not expect and that I've not really ever seen them do before. And I can't decide if I feel like this is very much like a produced at first I thought it was, but after, because the, this storyline then is a thread through the rest of the show. So I'm not saying that like the producer said, Michelle, you have to do this, but I think maybe Michelle felt this way and the producers definitely ran with it and possibly made it seem a little more exaggerated than it was. I don't know. I can't, maybe not because of how it plays out. But what I'm getting at is that the guys were apparently having so much fun with each other on this slumber party date that they weren't really even including her. <laughs> they were, they were not really making a point of pulling her aside to go talk to her. They weren't necessarily including her. They were just having fun with each other. And she's definitely, and again, I think because I feel like Michelle is so real and that she's not even capable of being like putting on this, this fake bachelorette show. I feel like it might've been real, but she seems pretty annoyed that the guys are like not even interested. And she kept saying, like, I'd feel like I'm not seen, like they could care less if I'm even here. They're just like having all this. They even show her like, um, they like even show her saying to one of the producers on the side, they put the, um, oh, why can't I think of words? They put the little, what is it when they call the word? <laughs> What's it called when you put the words at the bottom of the, screen caption oh my god they put a little caption that showed her saying why the fuck am i even here basically and um so i don't know that was interesting like i feel like really bad for her because she is the best <laughs> she's the lead this show is about her so um i mean they were doing all this like stuff like having like punching punching each other in the stomach contest and they're like you don't need to be a part of this one and she was like okay and i don't know so <laughs> so you can tell she's feeling super annoyed okay um so then keisha comes in and they announce they pull back this curtain and they announce or they reveal that the bella twins are there and the bella twins announce that they're going to have a stuffed animal fight because of course why wouldn't you have a stuffed animal fight you're at a slumber party yeah so it's funny because I feel like this is totally something I would do. Like if I was annoyed, I can't, a lot of times I can't hide that I'm annoyed, you know? And, um, and it was like, she couldn't hide that she was annoyed because 
they were all standing there with the Bella twins and the Bella twins were like announcing this fight and the guys are like, Oh, hoo, hoo. and she's trying to be like smiling and like, Oh, this is going to be fun. But she's just like, looks like she wants to say, fuck you guys, you guys are assholes and you don't even give a shit that I'm here. That's what her face looks like. And so in a way I felt for her a little bit. So, uh, so yeah, we have this little announcement of this game, um, cut to Mercur- cut to commercial and come back to the next segment. And starts off with um, Keisha sitting down with her at this said teddy bear fight. Uh-huh. Um, and she sits in between them. And as I said, it's, it's hard that it, it's hard to, you could tell she's finding it hard to hide that she's annoyed. So Caitlin actually like kind of puts her hand on her knee and knee. It was like, are you good? And she's like, yeah, I'm, it's fine. I mean, it was like, it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Everything is fine. <laughs> and then, then Tasha asks her like, are you sure you're okay? And she's like, you know, I'm fine. Like, she's like, I, I'm, I'm not going to cry. So obviously they know something is wrong, but obviously again, she can't talk about it at that time. So she's like, I just don't want to cry. I don't want to talk about it right now. And she says, ITMs. I just want to have fun. So they start the little contest and per se match people up against each other. And they start with, it's so weird how they have the Bella twins come on. And I feel like they're, they're pretty decently big named people, you know? I mean, I feel like a lot of people know who the Bella twins are, but they like played such a small role in this. You almost wonder like how, how they get these people to come on and play such minimal roles. Like how much do they get paid? Do they get paid? I assume they're getting paid or is it just the exposure that they like? But basically all they did was explain that this was going to happen. And then they show them announcing the winner of each match. And that was it. I mean, that was totally it. I feel like on old seasons, if they had people on that were even halfway famous, they at least had them even kind of sitting down with them and talking with them and asking them how it's going or just like have a little bit more of exposure. I, I don't know. Maybe not. I, I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like it was pointless. They could have had me and my best friend and on there like announcing it. No one would have known the difference, but all right. So whatever we get, uh, Joe versus Clayton first. Clayton wins. Rodney versus Leroy. Leroy wins. Nate versus Will. Will wins. Casey versus Chris S. Casey wins. Thank God. Chris G versus, I don't know who it was. I don't. Chris G won. And then Olu versus Brandon and Olu won. So, of course, the losing team. And a lot of times what they've been doing in the in past seasons, or they started doing, is like there was supposed to be a losing team, but then when it came down to it, the lead would be like, oh, just kidding, like everyone gets to come. Well, Michelle has not done that yet, but good for her. So um, the losing team has to go back home, quote unquote. And uh, it's it's the continue, the, the not seeing her continues because when the guys win, the team that wins, the team that loses like, like sulks and pouts and walks off, no one like approaches Michelle or we don't see him doing that. Michelle says in ITNs that no one did it. So no one approaches her. No one is like, Oh, this was a fun day. The winning team was like celebrating, celebrating amongst each other. 
like almost like they forgot that that they won what they won was extra time with Michelle, not just that they won like this masculine, this masculine contest between each other that had, that the prize was just like, whatever their teddy bear. I don't know. So, so, so it just perpetuates and Michelle is even more annoyed that it's in. And then they just show her, they're all celebrating and jumping up and down on the mats and stuff. And she just walks off and it's like, no one's even saw her walk off. So cuts a commercial again, start segment eight. And then they start it with uh, Michelle and Caitlin together, just like outside somewhere sitting on a bench. And um, this was actually the most sort of like real, I use that word a lot, but I, I don't know what other word to use, but like authentic and real conversation between uh, it didn't matter, Caitlin or Tasha and Michelle. And Caitlin is just like sitting and listening to her and she's telling her, she's telling um, Caitlin about how she feels unseen and how the guys, she felt like the guys didn't see her. Like she wasn't even there. And she said, like, I don't say this because I feel like I need to be the center of attention, you know? And it's like, look at me, look at me. And Caitlin like actually responds with like a real response validating her. And it's like, you know, no one thinks that absolutely no one thinks that about you, which is so true. Um, but she is like truly listening to her and then offering like legitimate advice. And Michelle is like sharing actual real emotions. It feels like, and not just sort of this producer setup type of thing. Um, and she shares with Caitlin how, so remember last week, um, she, they had that, like, they all wrote poems and hers was based on when she was little growing up and she was basically like the only black girl in her school and how she always felt like the token black girl and just was left out of a lot of things. And so I guess it brought back those feelings and she shared that with Caitlin and it was like a whole conversation that I actually got something out of finally, which I'm so glad that I did because I'm starting to wonder why Caitlin and Tasha were even there. Um, so they have that conversation. Um, so the guys are waiting for Michelle, the ones that won. And she comes down this big freaking huge staircase again. And um, I, I just, again, I say this all the time. I've said it for the millionth time. But she is so freaking poised and calm when she speaks. I wish I had a fraction of that calmness and poise when I spoke and could just get my people listened. <laughs> She's so good at it, but she, she basically just sits right down, does just cuts to the chase in a very calm way and, and tells them like just what we've talked about and that she did not feel seen and that it just brought her back to that little girl who she felt like wasn't seen. And she said, I thought I'd come off of the date today feeling super happy and like a lot of fun. And I like felt the opposite. And the guys were very good about listening to her. And she, um, I don't know. She's just like the best communicator in the world. But so she picks Nate to talk to first. And, um, she admitted to him that she was really disappointed that he never pulled her to talk, which is shocking really, because Nate seems like he's definitely a front runner and feels very strongly about her, but she admits sort of that that's why, like she actually admits that that's why she was even more disappointed with him because she, 
I mean, in so many words, told him that he is a front runner. <clears throat> and so he apologized, of course, and and told her that she for sure is seen and that he was really sorry that that came across that way and whatever. He validated her. Um, and pretty much all the other guys do the same kind of thing. And they all seem to legitimately feel bad. So that's good. Um, Olu had a particularly like deep conversation with her. Apparently he's got a lot of sisters. And so this really resonated with him as his sisters. He's a black man as well. So his, his sisters are black as well. And, um, he, I guess, sort of imagined them in the same position. Um, but they had a pretty good deep conversation. So Olu gets the rose. Um, commercial cut to segment seven. We are on Rick's one-on-one date. And you guys, I didn't even take that many notes about this because I, <laughs> I, I really, really don't want to sound mean because Rick seems like a very, very nice man, like a very nice man, but I feel like he's a, a nice robot because I, I can't watch, I can't watch the TV when, I, when Rick is on one, he looks like he's perpetually getting over food poisoning, right? Pay attention. His, like, just like his eyes and his face looks like he constantly just got done coming from the bathroom, puking for the 20th time because of food poisoning. I, okay. So that's one, two, he's like, Oh, he's like the definition of cringe, but I, it's so hard to put my finger on it because he's so nice, but I get, I feel so uncomfortable watching him. I can't, I can't watch him. I feel so uncomfortable. I, right now, I'm like, instead of looking ahead, I'm looking to the side as if he's in front of me on the TV. I, it, it's like he's a robot. And what confuses me is that, that Michelle seems very attracted to him. And he's like, so my top two are Joe and Nate. And I feel like it's a lot of people's top two. But like, he's like the honest opposite of the two of them. And I know you can be attracted, I guess, to different kinds of people, but it just does not fit the mold of, of like her personality. And I feel like he's so stiff and so, God, how do I even explain it? Like, if you watch it, I'm sure that you know what I'm saying. He just, it's like the words that come out of his mouth are all prepared, like pre-prepared. You know, like the, he wrote them down ahead of time saying, I have to say these things because it's the right thing to say to the bachelorette lead and not in a mean way, not for like a wrong reasons way, but like he, I don't know, he doesn't want to just be himself. He doesn't ever seem relaxed or like he just wants to chill and have fun. Like he doesn't have any moves whatsoever. And it's just so awkward. So I didn't make many notes except that they went up on this like big, what do they call those things? Like the, it's like a ski lift, but it's like a much bigger, higher, longer version, you know, but you get like the little cable car thing. In fact, it's not a cable car. That's like in San Francisco. Um, but you know what I mean? The thing like the ski, lift, whatever you call them, freaking, I can't think of words. I just can't. Um, but they go way, way up on this mountain and they take this, like, once they get up there, they like hike around and it was so cringy because they found this supposedly found this wish box where you take, write a wish and you take a wish. 
but magically, okay, so right, and it's also like out in the middle of the woods, okay, this, this, which is fine, because it's on this trail, and I know there's signs and things like that on lots of trails, but it's this box, and people wrote wishes on it, and then you're supposed to, like, take them and read them, and then write your own. Well, of course, the three that they pull out and read, two of them talk about finding love. Okay, are you kidding me? <laughs> the third one is someone that said, I wish my dad... I wish my dad could see the man I've turned into. I, sorry, I just feel like that's not something someone would write on a wish paper up in this mountain. Like, I feel like that's not what it means. And I feel like most people are, are like, you know, like, I wish that, you know, I don't know. I just feel like that's not what they write. I wish I had a million dollars. I wish, I wish that, you know, my husband would put the toothpaste on the, the cap on the toothpaste, whatever. But, uh, but conveniently that relates to Rick and he has this, his, we find out what his PTC is and it has to do with his dad. So ironically, the third one they read has to do with a guy wanting to please his dad. Okay. So then they write a wish and they write a wish on this pad of paper and this, this marker that works really well. I'm telling you if there was a wish, a wish box with a pad of paper the pad of paper was just like sitting in front of the wish box with this marker. A, the marker would have been gone long ago. B, that pad of paper would have got rained on and wind blown and it would have been shot to hell. It, it was just this pad of paper there. Totally set up, totally fake. I know it doesn't matter, but it was completely set up. This was not a real wish box. Because they also they walk up to like, oh, what's this? Okay. You're not going to win an Oscar for that one. All right. So, um, okay. So the commercial comes and then we're on to the nighttime portion of the day. And I wrote in my notes that I just wish this was over already because I can't watch it anymore. So we have Rick give his T PTC. And basically what the PTC is, is that when he was younger, uh, he found out that his dad was cheating on his mom via like happening to look at his dad's text and seeing he was texting this other woman. So he tells his mom, I guess, I don't, I kind of miss this because I wasn't trying to watch. I wasn't looking at the TV because I, I just cringe because when he tells it and then it's so my friend and I were texting back and forth during this part because then he was like being creepy then on top of it, because when he was talking about it, he was talking about this part, he started to whisper and he was whispering and I'm really thank you for being there for me. And I was like, why are you whispering so creepy? What are you doing? But so I was not paying real super close attention to the exact words, but it, basically he like told his mom, I guess that he saw this other woman texting his dad. And he was pretty young, I guess. And he remembers one morning, his mom coming up and get getting him and him telling her saying we're leaving. So basically then he felt responsible for their, his parents breaking up because he's the one that told his mom. And then I guess his dad also suffered from, um, a lot of depression and he died three years ago. So he like has feels this perpetual guilt that like, I guess that he was responsible for his dad's death in inevitably. So, which is very sad and I feel really bad for him. And I'm not saying that I am negating that story at all. That it's a sad story. I just like, 
when he is relaying this to Michelle, like the way he talks, it just sounds like a robot. I'm serious. It sounds like a fake person, like a mannequin that they added a voice box to. And it there's like, except for him whispering, I don't know. It's just so awkward. <laughs> I, can't, I can't, I don't even think I want to talk about it anymore. So it's, but, but she seems like so into it and she's like so glad he was so vulnerable. And I know that's what she's all about being vulnerable and authentic. And she talks about what's, she almost goes over the top with talking about what a sweet man she is and how I bet she said three times that this was a, like one of the best days of her life. And that this was such a wonderful day and on and on and on. And I wonder how much of that is like, how much of that she actually really felt that it was like so good. I, maybe she did, but irregardless, um, he gets the rose. Okay. And then Andy Grammer ends the date by singing to them. And I just keep looking away and that part's over. So we're done. Don't want to throw state. Go to segment nine and it's the cocktail party. And here we go with the Chris S thing. So she comes down the stairs and like, well, right before she comes down the stairs, the guys that were at the, like won that party and the, the ones that, cause it was only like six of them that she admitted that she felt unseen at that party. Um, they were telling the rest of the guys about that. And just so that they knew like no shade to her whatsoever. They were just like basically saying, look, she felt this way. So that's not a good thing that we all made her feel that way. But, but Chris S I guess is taking direct attack on the rest of the guys. I get, he is feeling superior, I imagine, but he comes down and he, soon as she comes down the steps, he gives her the drink and he is like, I have something to say. And he, he says a couple things, but the thing that stood out is that to me is that he said that there are some guys there that think they have it in the bag and those guys should either speak up or go home. And I was like, what, what? what, what is that? What do you mean? I mean, I know what he means by, I know what he's referring to Nate because Nate earlier in the show said he wasn't worried that he got a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, because he knew he'd get one eventually. Okay. So that's what he's referring to, but wh why should that person either speak up or go home? Like, I don't, that's, <laughs> that's not being there for the wrong reasons. So he's confident about his relationship with Michelle. So what, but, um, it was he's not so as much as Michelle's good at articulating herself, he's not good at all at articulating himself. So she she plays off of it though a little bit and she reminds everyone that no one has it. Like so she took a little bit of offense to it, I guess, and said no one has it in the bag at all yet, just so that y'all know that. And um Chris S then like like totally pushes himself on Like, I want to talk to you first. So he does. And I mean, you know, I just, obviously he's not going to make it far. And obviously the producers are keeping him on so that, because I really feel like the rest of the guys totally get along. And I feel like he's like, they determined he was pretty much the only odd man out anymore. So now they're going to keep him on for a couple more shows to keep the drama going. That's my guess. So he basically spends his whole time with Michelle and we know that if you do this, you're screwed. People who do this never, ever last till the end. So he basically spends the whole time with Michelle, um, like telling her how, 
you know, like telling her about Nate and how, what Nate said and how I don't really know. Cause he was very hard to understand. Like the, the way he was saying what he was trying to say to her, I almost feel like I needed to re rewind it three times to be like, what are you, what are you exactly saying? I was surprised she could keep up with it because it was so, he wasn't making any sense in my opinion whatsoever. No, nothing is, especially nothing that would have been so derogatory as to like cause any harm in what he was saying that Michelle wouldn't just go, I, what are you talking about? I mean, but whatever, apparently she was like listening and taking it to heart. Um, but they then cut to the guys and in general, every single guy is like, what is he doing? Like, what was he even trying to do just then? And they of course all, seem annoyed by it that Clayton kind of initiates the conversation. And, but again, not in like this negative way and like this, like constructive, like, what do you guys think about this? Um, but he's just, Chris is so, then they cut back to them. He's so awkward, throws Nate under the bus. Um, just obviously, like I said, uses his time, not very wisely. Um, so then she pulls Nate and she just is upfront. Like I said, we know he's the, um, front runner one of them so she just totally up front with him and says this is what chris said and um she gets a little bit like annoyed um kind of at him but kind of in general uh like saying like i'm not a prize to win and this isn't like i've got this in the bag like it's a contest or something and um it's because of the way chris said it to her and nate is like trying to be I mean, Nate's a little cocky, but I like Nate and I, he's trying to just like listen to her and he tries to assure her that it's not at all what he meant. And like, they basically then just showing him like, I don't know that they actually showed him apologizing, but he's like, that's just completely not what I meant at all. And after their talk, he gets up and he goes and he gets Chris and he wants to pull him aside. So cuts to commercial, go back, come back. And the thing I think that's good about Nate is I think that he's, he is equal with Michelle in the way he can articulate himself and speak and get his point across very clearly. And he does this in my opinion with Chris and Chris has terrible comebacks. Chris cannot defend himself or argue back in any form or fashion. And all he is like, are you done? Are you done? That's what he keeps saying to Nate. Are you done? Are you finished? And he's like, and, and like Nate kind of just takes one step towards him, not in an aggressive way or anything. Although Nate is six, eight from what I've heard. I think that's what I've heard is he's six, eight. So he's a very, very tall man. Like Chris S looks like he's five, two compared to Nate. Chris S is probably like six foot, but he <laughs> looks like a little tiny man. And so Nate just like takes a step forward to it. It was not aggressive at all. And he's like, Oh, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Put your hands on me. And Nate was like, what are you talking about? I mean, just chill out. I'm trying to talk to you. Are you done? Are you done? Are you done now? Are you finally done? And he's like, no, I'm not done. I'm trying to have a conversation with you. Are you done? Are you done? <laughs> so he's like, uh, I guess. And they walk off and Nate just goes to the other guys. And he's like, dude, that guy is weird. He is a weirdo and he's a dweeb. I think he calls him a dweeb, which I haven't heard that word in a really long time, but I'm not going to argue with the fact that he's a weirdo. He is a weirdo. Uh, and it's very descriptive, Nate. I agree with you. Um, so then we get a little, like all throughout the show, like I said, the beginning of it, we get little clips of Clayton talking and, you know, nothing deep, but he's on definitely throughout the whole show. They keep 
they keep gifts giving him little little tastes to us of him um so after that all happens michelle does not know that chris s and nate had this conversation or at least not that i'm aware of um but after that they um show her having good one-on-one time with the rest of the guys pretty much and um i don't know i chris so yes chris is definitely also cringy but in a completely different way as rick chris is cringy in a cocky uh unsubtle way like like he (laughs) i don't know how to explain it but it's like chris is cringy in a annoying like cocky know-it-all way trying to be tough kind of way but like you can't watch him whereas rick is just cringy because i don't even think he realizes he's cringe and that he i just can't look because whatever but so we got in two cringes here but so then um okay so we cut to another commercial we're back segment 11 and um keisha this we're at the rose ceremony so keisha has their little like three second talk with um michelle and asks her if she knows what she's gonna do (laughs) wonder if she said no what they would say so she goes down and um they really are showing chris being super super overly confident about the fact that he's gonna get a rose like talking about how because i guess olu or not i guess olu was also questioning him about whether he thought he was going to get a rose and chris was like why would you even ask that question and again he was being really weirdly cocky and olu's like okay whatever so he's like i'm gonna get that rose and i'm gonna look right at olu and i'm gonna wink and put that rose in a vase and like i was like what what i bet olu doesn't care if you put it in a vase or if you shove it up your anyway he was saying just weird stuff so in my head i'm thinking there's no way he'll just he'll go home already i should have known better uh because usually when they're that confident that means that the opposite's going to happen so it's the rose ceremony i obviously you know that i'm reading my notes too literally so the first rose goes to brandon then leroy then joe then rodney then clayton then casey then nate and then it's the last rose and I thought, I really, really, really thought Will was going to get it, but Chris has got it. So I was completely and totally shocked. I really was. They finally kind of shocked and surprised me. Um, so Chris G went home, Will went home, and then a third guy, which I can't, I'm not sure who he was, but he went home. Um, so we're done. This is episode four. After this, Michelle acts like she's really serious and she announces that she is no longer going to be staying at this resort that she is going to be leaving in the morning for Minneapolis. And all the guys, you know, and then she's like, and you guys are going along. They all are like, "Woo, we're going to Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Minnesota. Whoa. Awesome. But I get it. It's her hometown. So they're all excited to go to hometown. They cheers to Minneapolis. And then we get previews for, I'm assuming not just next week, probably for the rest of the, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. That was a yawn that shouldn't have made it on air. Um, So we get previews and of course we've got more tears, we get more fun, we get more kisses, we get more drama. Can't really tell who the drama, there was not a clear, I don't know, I'm sure, I think there was a little bit with Chris S., people getting annoyed with him. I, I have a feeling he'll probably go after the next show, so 
anyway, that was our recap for episode four. Um, hate that these ratings are not going well for Michelle. So sorry, Michelle, I wish I could help you out there, but I don't think I'm powerful enough for that yet. Um, again, thanks everybody for listening. Um, I say this every time, but whatever, uh, uh, platform you're listening to this on, please either give me a five-star rating, like, like, like the show, follow the show, subscribe to the show, um, whatever your platform allows review me. That would be great. Um, appreciate any listen I can get. Um, but all those things truly do help to in the search engines and in the algorithms to, push me up to where more people see the show and can listen. So it really, really, really is so much appreciated. Um, so as usual, I will end my podcast with a Bible verse and this one, um, is from Corinthians, second Corinthians one verse four. It is, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God gave us. So I hope you all have a great week and I will talk to you again next week. Goodbye.